0: Hey everybody, welcome to the AMSL Implements podcast, Guns, Gear, and Random Bullshit. It is May 20th, 2020. It is the Wednesday before Memorial Day weekend, and this is podcast number four. And before I get into today's episode on 80% lowers, I just wanted to take a moment and uh, just give a heads up Um, the other day. I changed the hosting service for the podcast, so you might see some slight changes if you're listening on the Spotify app or on the Apple podcast app. And if you are listening on the Apple podcast app, I would greatly appreciate it if you would leave five stars. And if you have any reasons why you don't want to or you think the podcast does not deserve five stars, please feel free to reach out to me directly we'll get things figured out. So again, uh, this podcast we're gonna I'm gonna just give a couple thoughts on 80% lowers. Um, it's kind of funny because over the past couple weeks, they've came up in conversations a couple times. I had a couple customers asking me about them. Um, so what I mean by for those of you that don't know, um, an 80% receiver, or an 80% finished, 80% complete, and an unfinished receiver. Uh, These are all terms referring to an item that is not technically considered a firearm, or does not meet the definition of firearm frame or receiver, and that's according to the Gun Control Act of 1968. Now, can a 80% lower be considered a firearm and actually have to go through the normal process. Um, it actually can, if, if it does have the fire control cavity, if that is partially machined. And what I mean by the fire control cavity is like where your trigger group would go. So I guess, uh, if you are looking at, you know, 80%, make sure, you know, that, you know what you are getting, and it does not have to go through uh, the normal, you know, 4473 transfer process. And just to talk about that just for a second, and again, I'm sure most people listening to this podcast are probably firearm owners or, you know, know people and have talked about it, but just to talk about that for a second, um, you know, there's a lot of people depending on who you talk to you know they people on both sides of the fence I guess is what I'm saying you know people that think it's bullshit that you know we have to go through a process to be able to have firearms and we have to go through background checks and everything else and there's a process and that's the process that we have to go through and I guess if we do have to go through a process to do that I think we should um do it and just, you know, be happy that we can still be able to do that. Things are definitely getting harder nowadays, especially in New York where I am. Um, it's miserable. Um, you know, I have customers call me all the time looking for this, looking for that. And I have to explain to them, nope, sorry, you can't have that. Or, you know, this, or a lot of people, um, they don't understand some of the laws that actually went into effect for example you know everybody's well aware of you know when they passed the safe act back in 2013 you know how that affected you know the ARs and stuff like that with the features and everything else but what what a lot of people don't realize is that the desert eagle in 50 caliber is actually considered a quote unquote assault pistol now in New York and it has been for a bunch of years because it weighs over the, the weight that they allotted it. And I don't remember what it is off the top of my head, but yeah, the thing's huge. It's a brick. I've seen them before. I've held them before. I've sold one before. Um, It's heavy for a purpose because if you're going to let a 50 cal round go, I want to have some, some weight there to absorb some of that recoil. But anyways, you know, a lot of people don't realize that that is actually part of the SAFE Act. They actually put a weight on pistols that if it weighs too much, it is technically considered a, again, assault firearm, I'll say, um, which is, you know, a made-up term anyways, as far as I'm concerned. But, you know, so getting back to, you know, the normal transfer process, it's not it's not as big as a deal as everybody makes it out to be. And again, in my opinion, you know, you go into a, you contact your local, you know, gun shop or you go to a big box store or something like that. You pick out a shotgun, a rifle from the shelf and, you know, you fill out your 4473, answer a couple questions. Everybody knows the yes, no questions. They run a background in most of the time, you walk out the door with what you went in to buy. Now, there are some times where, you know, your background check might get delayed for certain reasons. I just had a customer the other day get delayed, and I think that just honestly had to do with the amount of firearms that are being transferred right now in the United States. The firearm sales right now, I think, is is up tremendously Again, I don't know the exact number, but I have seen some articles in various places, you know, certain numbers. Actually I talked about it on the last podcast. Now that I think about it, I mean they did over three point five million NYX checks in March and almost three million in April, I think it was. So but you know, with the normal transfer process, you know, if you go in and purchase a long gun and I'm only talking about long guns now you know the notion is that you know the government knows you know what I'm buying and what I'm getting no that's really not the case um yes they do know if you are purchasing a a long gun or a handgun and that is part of the NICS check But as far as the transfer form goes, yes, it does contain the firearm and the serial number and everything else. But that information is actually held by the FFL that you're purchasing that from. It goes nowhere, it stays on site. They have to keep that information for not less than 20 years. So people that think that, you know, the government knows what you have and everything else no, that's really not the case. Handguns different story. I'm not even going to get into handguns because every state has their own take on handguns. So I just I'm going to stick to specifically the long guns. I think the common the common thought is, you know, when you go and buy a, a firearm or a long gun, you know, that that information again stays with the FFL. After 20 years, that's their business what they do with that information. They can keep it longer, and they can get rid of it. So after 20 years, there's a lot of stuff out there nowadays that nobody knows where it goes. And that's some of the things that people really don't know unless you are in the business. But now, to get back to my point on the 80% lowers, um, I had, like I said, a couple conversations um, with some people. And I support the Second Amendment. Very important, obviously, being in firearm sales myself you know, I, again, I support it. And do I agree with all the laws that we have? No. Some of them, yes, I do. Um I do believe that not all people should be possessing firearms. Um They, for one reason or another, chose to make choices in their life and that privilege got taken away. Unfortunately, that's the way things go sometimes. But when it comes to the 80%s, I, again, had a couple conversations with people. And the way that I look at the 80% lowers that they're selling online nowadays, and the best way that I can kind of explain it is to put it into a scenario. You know, let's say you purchase one of these and you decide to take your, your gun out to the range one day or you take it out hunting or something like that. And this is, you know, could it happen? Yes. Is it likely? Maybe. Who knows? But again, this is my take on it. And this is the same exact thing that I said to the individuals that I was having the conversation with. You know, you go to a range or something, you go shooting for the day, go hunting, whatever. And you're on your way home. And for one reason or another, maybe your windows are tinted a little too dark. Maybe you were going a little faster than you should have been, whatever. But let's just say, you know, you get pulled over. And the officer asks if you have any firearms in the vehicle, and you say, yeah, I do. And they start looking, and he notices, because most firearms have make, model, serial number, caliber, which is all things that need to be on there, but he starts looking at something and has none of that information, no make, no model, no serial number, because instead of Purchasing a fully complete lower and going through the the transfer process, you decided to cut some corners and or not not cut corners, but maybe you know maybe legitimately wanted to you know mill one or what have you. But he starts looking at it and realizes "Eh, there's no serial numbers or anything on this, and it's just it's something that I worry about. You know, I don't want to see a good person get jammed up for no reason. Um, because even though it is legitimate to have not all officers are well versed in, you know, the gun control laws, you know, from 1986 or the, the, uh, yeah, losing my mind, the NFA laws and stuff like that. You know, unfortunately it's one of them Things that can put you into a, an unfortunate situation. So, I think when it comes to the eighty percent lowers, just be very cautious with those. You know, really think about it. The price on them now, I don't think is the price on them's came up, or I should say, maybe the price of regular stripped lowers has came down. So, you know, the benefit. I don't know, really isn't there, like I said, unless you are, you know, a handy individual that, you know, you legitimately wanted to mill out a lower and build your, you know, new rifle from the ground up. And I get that. I understand that. But this is just the information, you know, that I put out there to the customers that I talked to over the past couple of weeks, you know, um, I told them flat out, I, I don't think it's worth the headache that you could potentially put yourself in going with an 80%, not with the price, you know, of a regular strict receiver. But that's my take on it. Again, you know, other people have different views and different opinions. But I just, you know, I look out for my customers and I try to give them the the best advice that I can for them. So anyways, that's my two cents on the 80% lower situation. Um, In closing today... We are coming up on Memorial Day weekend, so I want everybody to be safe and take a moment this weekend and think about why we have Monday off. take a second and you know give thanks to the service men and women you know that gave us um uh, the privileges that we have today and the ones that you know paid the ultimate sacrifice and lost their lives in the conflicts that we've had for over the years but so just take a moment remember them and everybody thank you again for listening um be safe this weekend enjoy and have fun i know racing's back on looking forward to the 600 and uh we'll see how that goes but again have a great weekend thanks for listening